each other, make sure that people around you feel welcomed into this place. join together in worship. We invite you to sing with us about our King who is Join us and sing here. From wherever spring arrives to heal the ground From wherever searching comes 
to hear our praises and we invite you to continue joining us as we sing about God's goodness.
Sunday school. What's up, my little friends? How you doing this morning? Did you see all of the snow we got last night? Yeah. Is that fun and exciting? We have to shovel and we shoveled. Did you guys shovel or did mom and dad shovel? My mom and dad and me shovel. Okay. <laughs> mommy, we have to do it by ourselves and the water. Uh, yes, there is a lot on our houses too. <laughs> Be careful of the questions you ask. <laughs> well, friends, uh, let me say a word of prayer. <laughs> Snow blowed. Awesome. Okay. Hey. We're going to pray now. Is that okay? <laughs> I love the energy. This is awesome. Let's, let's pray together, okay? God, thank you uh, for my friends. Thank you for their joy. Thank you that they love snow uh, as much as we do. Thank you, uh, though, most importantly, God, for your goodness uh, that, that runs after us, our, your love that follows after us and, and pursues us. And I pray, God, that, that my friends here and all of us know how good your love is your grace, and your forgiveness in Jesus. So, Lord, teach their hearts. Um, show them your goodness today, and thank you. Thank you for them. Thank you for everyone who serves in teaching them and in helping to bring them up. Thank you for the families that surround them. Lord, we love uh, these friends, our, our children, and we pray that you bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. See you, everybody.
At this point in time, I want to invite Darwin uh, forward, our executive pastor here at Hardwick, and uh, he's got some, uh, I think, good news for us, right, Darwin? I do. Good morning. How's everyone today? Enjoying the snow or longing for warm weather? Warm weather, enjoying the snow. That's good. I'm really um, pleased to be here with you today. Um, I want to give you a quick um, and short um, financial update as we've closed the books on 2021. And I want to thank Norlin and Laura and everyone who put so much effort into getting that done. Um, last year, in, on January 1st, we began um, with 200 and roughly $227,000 in the bank. And through your generosity and through your gifts and through your prayers and support, um, we ended this past year on December 31st with um, actually $398,000 in the bank. Part of that was based on the fact that our expenses were about, oh, how should I say, 7 to 8% below what we expected. Um, but much of that was a result of your generosity. Um, so we are excited to be in this position. The council um, is asking us right now this question. If we want to find everyone being found in, formed by, and following Jesus, what are new avenues that we can take with the money that's been entrusted with it, to us? And so we're excited to be thinking about what some of those new opportunities um, might be on the horizon. But this morning, uh, what I really would like to do is I want to invite you to stand. This is our ministry. Ours. Aaron, myself, others here serve because you have called us to serve. But what I would like you to do is just to turn and thank those around you for their ongoing faithful prayers and their ongoing faithful financial support of our ministry. So just say thank you to each other. It feels odd, doesn't it? But it's our ministry. And we do it out of a spirit of gratitude and showing gratitude to those around us who are part of this community for their ongoing prayers and their ongoing financial support. I hope just becomes something that we naturally do as we talk with each other. So on behalf of the staff who serve at your pleasure, part of your staff who are part of this ministry, thank you, thank you, and thank you. And may the Lord continue to pour out his blessings on us as we strive to use, to live faithfully and to use his gifts faithfully. Thank you. You may be seated. Oh, actually, you can stay standing. You can actually. stay standing. <laughs> nice try. No.
continue in prayer together. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us as we sing and pray those words this morning. God, you're the God that breathes life into us, that sustains our spirit and our soul, that holds us and helps us, that strengthens us, that leads us and guides us. And so God, again, in your grace and in your mercy, Lord, and that unearned favor and love that you give to us. And God, for your, your, your love that withholds punishment and reserves that judgment. And actually, Lord, how you took that judgment upon yourself. Lord, how that brought us freedom. God, continue to give us freedom today in that finished work of Jesus. As we're a community that wants to be anchored in that truth, Lord, that we are free because of what you've done, because of your finished work in the cross and your resurrection and what you will finish when you return, Lord, that, that that's our confidence. Our confidence isn't in ourselves, isn't in what we can accomplish or do, isn't in the next thing that you, the next checklist, checkbox that needs to be marked. But Lord, we are completely and fully free in you. God, may that be a truth. May it be good news for us today. Not what we need to be, but we all, what we already are in you. And God, that you have called us, not only do you dwell in us and gift us with your spirit, your presence, but you've gifted us with friendship. Friendship with you, a restored relationship with you in Jesus Christ. Our sin separated us. It pulled us away. We were held and owned by the devil and his schemes. But Lord, in Jesus and in his finished work, we have not only a freedom, but we have a restored relationship with you. God, thank you. And thank you for how that restoration then can allow us to have relationship with one another. We can have friendship with one another. 
We can be a community together. We don't have to be fractured like the world continues to move us and perpetuate within our communities. God, we get to come together. Albeit very different people, many different ideas, many different solutions to the problems of the world, opinions, mindsets. But Lord, that's the beauty of this kingdom that we get to dwell in your kingdom. That while different, we are one in you. And that in our differences, God, we can learn from one another, we can grow with one another, we can challenge one another by your spirit. And God, we can become more alive. So God, thank you for that restored relationship with you and how that restores our relationships with one another. And Father, again, thank you that we can be a community that's committed to rest. Lord, while we serve and you've called us to to give to one another and to give to the world around us, Lord, that is certainly a call that continues. But we're invited into, in this moment, to rest. Your peace. We're invited to take a, a long, slow breath. To know that you have us, you hold us, and you'll never let us go. A rest that says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Lord. So, so bring that rest to our spirit today by yours. Lord, as we think around this heart of white community, today as we think about Watershed in particular, Lord, the rest that needs to come, the peace that needs to be experienced, Lord, I think about Phil this morning and just the news of having to deal now with lymphoma. God, we pray for a healing. We pray for a rest. We pray for a, a, a strengthening of his body. We pray that uh, the surgery already done is done and, and that, God, he would be fully healed and restored. God, grant him that grace and that mercy and sustain him and Kim and, and, and their entire family in this journey. Lord, thank you for holding them. Think about the Walshmets and Laura's cousin, Clay, and, and God, the diagnosis that he received of leukemia. Lord, and his, his life hung in the balance this week. God, for the strength and, and the healing that he needs, and, and God, for you to, again to, to drive cancer out of his body. Lord, fall fresh. Renew him, strengthen him in his spirit and in his body. Lord, we think about Helene this, this week as she had a PET scan and as she's just dealing with some other stuff as well as she's facing cancer. God, drive it out of her body. Lord, these are just three of our friends and our family here in this particular community. We think about Hardaway as a whole and I think about Brianna Evenhouse and her, her life continues to be touch and go in the ICU Lord, due to COVID, and, and, and then that just expands to all of the challenges that people have faced throughout this pandemic. God, fall fresh. And thank you for never leaving us. Lord, so often we live in that tension of needing you to, to work miracles, to, to in a way show up and, and yet we live in the truth that you're already there. You never left us. So God, may there be a peace that surpasses all understanding. And let it, let it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, as we come into your word, Lord, I need your spirit to speak. Because this isn't God about me, it's about you. You've gifted us with your word and for your word to, to fall on the soil of our hearts, God. We need it to take root and we can't do anything but receive it today. We need your spirit to, to speak anew and fresh into our spirits. So God, in your grace and mercy, please do that. Speak to us. Encourage us. Lift us. And challenge us where needed. God, thank you again that you love us where we are and you refuse to leave us here. You choose to breathe your life into us. God, you are good.
We praise you in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. Well, again, I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm campus pastor here at Watershed, if you don't know me, and for anybody listening, live stream, because we still live in a live stream world. So um, we have been in a series here at Heart of White Cross Campus most of the time throughout the year. Uh, we journeyed together and in the same passage, and uh, yet Bill, JB, and I have different voices. We kind of have, you know, look at things a little different way, so we get to come together and study together, and yet uh, on a Sunday morning, we have three different ways of telling God's story, but it, it's, it's just a cool part for me. Uh, it's, it's a joy to be able to be in that learning community, and then also in, in being able to share what we've learned with you, uh, and hopefully, it's God speaking to us. Well, we've been in this series in the parables, and in the parables, uh, I want to remind us how Jesus looks at a parable. Because if you just look at the definition of a parable in the dictionary, it's not going to be what Jesus says. It's going to sound a lot more like Aesop's fables than what Jesus viewed as a parable. So this, I'm just going to keep hammering this home for eight weeks. And if you can repeat this by the time we've done, and you're like, good, I don't have to hear Aaron ever say that again, then I've succeeded. <laughs> But here's a parable um, from Jesus' perspective. It's an inviting and puzzling, if not scandalous, right? It's, it, it should disrupt us. Jesus wasn't afraid of messing with people's minds and their heads a little bit, disturbing them, confusing them. Why? Because this short story was meant to explain who he was, Jesus was, and what he was doing in bringing about and revealing the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is very different from the kingdom of this world. That's why it gets puzzling and confusing. And what we're going to see again today, that Jesus says, I, the key to the parable is to get you to come back to me. You may still be confused, and that's okay. Because the secret to it, is, to it all is to come back to me. As we get ready to hear the parable of the sower today, I've entitled the message, A Scandalous Sower. Because this sower does some things that you and I probably wouldn't do or were taught to. I was thinking about a map and how maps, uh, and I put up on the screen, are they prescriptive, are they predictive, or are they descriptive? When I think about maps, uh, in all reality, they're more or less intended to be descriptive, right? Maps are to help us understand where we are and not only where we are, but where we are in relation to where we're going, right? Where we want to be. Now, if you go to the mall, you could have lots of different places you want to go, right? But that you are here is incredibly helpful, isn't it? It, it, it says, okay, now I know Old Name is over there. I know Nike's over there. I know, you know, you name it, right? But maps help us. They don't necessarily prescribe a path. They don't predict which way you're going to go or I'm going to go. They don't predict what, what store you're going to go into. They simply help describe where we're at, right? Help us understand where we are in relationship to where we want to go. So Jesus, as he talks about parables, and especially this morning, this parable of the sower is descriptive more than it is prescriptive, predictive, or determinative. So let's dive in. We're going to go to Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. Let's hear God's word together. This parable of Jesus, and in fact, it's considered a meta-parable, sort of like a parable of parables that helps us understand a lot of the rest. But let's hear verse 1, chapter 13. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Now, I just want to pause. There's a genius of Jesus, and if you've ever been on the lake when it's calm, can you hear people across the lake? Right? It, the, the water, and calm water especially, works as an amplifier. In the day of no sound systems, right, and amps, Jesus knew this crowd's here. He's going to jump in the boat, and the water was going to do some work for him, so he doesn't have to shout at people. And that's kind of nice. That would be a bummer if all I was doing was shouting at you all the time, wasn't it? <laughs> right, so Jesus goes out in the boat and he starts to talk to the people on the shore. And he told them many things in parables. 
saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. There's your parable. How many of you might go, huh? Right, if you were sitting there, again, imagine ourselves. We've got to put our place in those who are first hearing Jesus say this, some of which would have been farmers, and they're like, huh? So uh, I have a van in my last name, Van Der, right? My Dutch heritage, and I know some of you others have this too in your own heritage, but this is just, I'm just speaking from what I know. Right? My Dutch sensibilities goes, man, that is an incredibly wasteful sower. Right? This is incredibly reckless. You don't sow, like this seed is important. We sow strategically. We make sure the ground is just right. We put it in all the correct spots. Right? I was brought up, you're using too much hot water. Anybody? I like hot, long showers. My grandparents knew that, and then my grandpa would say, no, you're taking an army shower. That's what he called it. And an army shower was you get in, you get wet, you turn that water back off. Then you lather up, and then you can rinse yourself off. But none of it, like you get like 10 seconds of water each time, right? You're using too much water. This is, this is wasteful. So I think about the word wasteful, let's look at its definition a second. It's simply this in the dictionary, using or expending something of value carelessly, extravagantly, or to no purpose. Right? Because if we waste things, we are just throwing, flushing money down the toilet. Right? This isn't strategy, this isn't efficient. Now, you don't have to be Dutch to know this, how many of you have this narrative in your own life, Right? This isn't just some of us. This, this is usually our culture. We think about efficiency. We think about less waste, as little as possible. And yet in this parable, the first thing we have to recognize, like any parable, is what is this telling us about God? What's it telling us about Jesus? Not what's it telling us first about ourselves. What's it telling us about him? Well, he's a scandalous sower. He might be considered a wasteful Sower. Why? Because he's incredibly extravagant with the seed. He throws it without any concern as to whether or not it falls on hard path, whether or not it falls in rocky soil, whether or not that seed falls where amongst the thorns and, and it might get choked up, and if it falls on some good soil too. Right? This would kind of blow, it. again, remind yourself, if you were sitting there as a farmer hearing this, like, you wouldn't do this. This makes no sense. This is an upside-down way of thinking about things. Well, often that is the kingdom of God. It's upside-down. It's not the way we think. So it leaves the people with a question. It leaves the disciples with a question, and we'll continue on in verse 10. The disciples then came to him, and they asked, Why do you speak to people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. It says, whoever has will be given more, and, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And he's now quoting Isaiah 6. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will... You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you, your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Verse 17, for truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear 
did not hear it. Right? The disciples come to Jesus. The disciples ask, what, why do you talk like this? And then Jesus then quotes Isaiah, right? In some ways, it's like a parable within a parable again. It's like, what? What are you doing? And, and if I could sum it up, Jesus says, hey, listen, people who want to hear will hear. People who don't want to hear don't want to hear. <laughs> That's the frustration. What you're seeing, it's descriptive like a map. I, I'm just helping you understand. There are some people who don't want to hear, and they're not going to hear it. And there are others who hear it, and they get it like you, and you're seeing it. But the secret to all of this is that you got it. Right? How many of you know the movie Dogma from years ago? Right? And they were playing on the, the Catholic Church's, uh, you know, basically a campaign that went to have Jesus be more inviting. So, yeah, you got this, right? This is that moment, though. Jesus is like, the secret to all of this is that you have come to me. That's it. You came to me. You were confused. You had a question, and you came to me. That's what it means to have eyes to see and ears to hear. You may be incredibly confused, but that's okay because you came to me. Because many people would walk away and think that they had it figured out. Many people uh, just were like, what? And then just gave up and went, nah, he's not really all that. But the disciples, no, they come to Jesus and they ask him, Lord, what does this mean? With that, then Jesus ends up giving them the answer to the parable. He ends up explaining it. Not all parables does Jesus explain, but this one he does. And it goes on to say this. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. You've come to me. You've got the secret to it all. You've come to me in the midst of it. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what the, what's sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. Now the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, it quickly falls away. Now the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life, this deceitfulness of wealth, choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. For Jesus, we're the soil. For Jesus, again, let me remind us this morning, because I've heard this parable oftentimes preached from the standpoint of being predictive and prescriptive. And I hear my good old Dutch heritage kicking in is figure out who's the hard soil, don't throw the seed there. Where's the rocky soil, don't put the seed there. Where's the thorny soil, don't put the seed there, because that's a wasteful use of seed. That is horrible stewardship. And I'm going to find the good soil. Yeah, but let me ask you something. How many of you can actually relate to each of these soils? Right? The seed gets thrown in, on the path, and that soil is hardened, and we're going to call maybe that today a trampled heart. How many of you have felt beaten down and pushed down and pressed down that maybe sometimes it wasn't me starting with a hard heart, but my hard heart got there because of the situations and circumstances I've lived. Right? It's easy for Satan to come in, the birds to come in and snatch the good news, God's word away, when my heart, my, when my heart is hard. Because I'm living in pain and I'm living in, in, in disgust and I'm living in, 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 in a refusal because the, when, I, when I've risked, all I've gotten was hurt in return. Maybe Jesus is just describing that, uh, what the world looks like and what situations are that sometimes people who aren't hearing the Word have been trampled down and pushed down and it may be not their fault. 
as much as sometimes it is. I know sometimes I'll harden my heart towards things. I'll get callous towards things, not because of anything else, but because, well, I see this goodness of God over here, and why can't you? And then I'll start going, well, yeah, you don't need this goodness because how can you not get it, right? Anybody relate? That hard path happens sometimes. Our trampled heart. Does God, though, not sow seed for the trampled heart? Upside down nature of this kingdom is that seed, this scandalous sower, isn't afraid to throw seed, isn't afraid to risk Satan stealing that seed away. Why? Because he's hoping that one day maybe there's a crack. He knows he's a good shepherd. He knows he's the, he's the, the gardener who will chisel away and chip away for that seed to grow. How about the times where a seed has fallen on rocky paths? How many of us can relate to a troubled heart? Where all of a sudden we get it, we hear, the, we hear God's word, and, and it's like we're excited about it, but then just the stresses of the world, right? It hasn't had time to go deep in our lives. And then Satan, and, and Satan knows this, right? He's a genius. Let's not forget who we're up against. The devil is strong, otherwise Jesus didn't need to come and free us. But that sometimes that word doesn't have enough time to grow and take root. And, so, and what does he do? He, he puts troubles in our way. He puts rocks there. Why? So that when the sun comes out, it can scorch us. Because it hasn't had time. Those not, rocks need to be removed. But guess what? Again, as the soil, just like the hard patch, the rocks need someone from the outside. We need something other than us. We need a gardener to pull those rocks out. Maybe, maybe this gardener knows a little something, this sower knows a little something we don't. Maybe it's not predictive when we see the rocks of what someone will be. Maybe it's just describing the current reality and what God's about ready to do. Well, that's not the last soil. The, the next soil is, is the thorns, right? And and these are the things that, that choke us, that trip us up. And I think about these are, the thing, these are those temptations that we give into time and time again. And, and we think about how that takes fruitless, it, it creates fruitlessness in us, doesn't it? It's not creating the fruit of Christ in us, but it, it, it just takes away our life. It strangles us. And sometimes it's the care, just the simple cares of the world. But again, none of us are void of these soils, are we? All of us probably have a little of each of these in us. And thank God we have a scandalous sower. And might we say a wasteful sower, an extravagant sower. See, he doesn't sow carelessly, though. Otherwise, he would be wasteful. He sows with all of the care in the world. He doesn't sow without, without reason, without purpose. No, he throws it on all of the soil because you never know how that seed is going to take root. In the Gospel of Mark, uh, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, the four kind of stories of Jesus, Mark, Mark will write me, call, he writes the calling of the disciples just before sharing this parable. Interesting. Because if we look at the parable of, in light of that and who the disciples are, you would see this ragtag, motley crew bunch that probably to the rest of the world seemed like they could have been a hard patch or, or might have been rocky soil or might have been thorny soil. They wouldn't have been the people you would have sowed good news to and trusted the kingdom of God with. And Luke, Luke is, is trying to break down social barriers. And right before Luke then tells this parable, it says how these, there were these women that went with the disciples and actually supported the disciples' ministry, and they were out sharing good news. Well, guess what? Breaking down social barriers. That women had a place in the kingdom of God. Right? If we start prescribing, if we start determining before, we don't know what God's possibly going to do. We have an extravagant sower who sows his kingdom and is always doing what? Forth, cultivating good soil. Because at the end of the day, none of us is truly the good soil. Like the map, that's where we're going. 
There are moments and places where there's good soil in us, but we're never completely there. Right? How often do you hear me say, God meets us right where we are and refuses to leave us there? Because he's not afraid to sow on any soil. He's trying to cultivate in us his life, his kingdom. Right? This is the good news today. This is a parable that flips things upside down. What seems to be wasteful to God is actually true stewardship of the kingdom. What, what seems to not make sense where we would go, no, nah, you don't measure up. You know what? No, you don't add up. And then we don't share good news. We don't live the good news out. We actually don't see ourselves in the mirror and we don't see others then for who they are and what God wants to do. Jesus reminds the disciples, at the end of the day though, this is what you get. You've come to me. Why? Because you're loving me, you're, you're following me because you experienced first my love for you. So we think about this this morning. Uh, I want to read from, as I've been this week, as I shared, we shared that this, this little book, Scandalous Stories, is a nice little accessible commentary on some of these parables. But uh, Daniel Price and Eric Sorensen say this uh, about these ground it says, by nature, every one of us is the hardened path that refuses to let the word of God penetrate us every day of our lives. By nature, we're the rocky soil that's so fickle in our face. By nature, we're the thorny soil when we say, God can have this, this, and this in my life, but he can't have my money or my addiction or my sex life or you name it. There is none of us in and of ourselves that are good soil and are worthy of judgment. And then you see what's up on the screen. So then what? Well, the only way we can become good soils is if God, by His amazing grace, makes us good soil who can hear and understand His Word. Here's the good news for us. God is in the business of opening up ears and making big people good soil fit for his kingdom. That's the gospel. That's the parable. It's not prescriptive. It's not predictive. It's not determinative. It's simply descriptive of what God is all about and all about bringing in our lives. To close, I want to read from this psalm. So what do we do in light of that? Right? What can we do as good soil? I think David wraps this up really well in Psalm 139. If you've heard Psalm 139, it's, it's one of those great psalms that, that lasts and, and, and people can sometimes say because it just it says, I'm fearfully, in, in the middle, of, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I mean, there's just some beautiful poetry and, and reality in there. But here at the very end, after David actually rants for a moment about those who are evil, I think he has this gut check moment. He rants about evil, and then all of a sudden he goes, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my what? Anxious thoughts. None of us believe perfectly. None of us have this full faith that's unwavering. I'd love to say that I do. But Lord, know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me. Right? The things that I have control over that I keep doing, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Maybe this is our prayer this week. That as soil, we go, I need him to chisel on some of that hard patch. You know, to take out some of that concrete that's stuck in my heart. I need God to help remove those rocks because I can't do that alone. I need God to, to pull out. Next week, we're going to talk about the weeds in, in the wheat. And so and he, he's like, you got to be really careful of what you're pulling up. And so we need the wisdom of God to pull up the right thing in our lives. Right? But we make ourselves like the soil available to the gardener to do his work. 
And then how do we live that in relation to others? I don't think there's a better verse than Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, when the parable doesn't become prescriptive or predictive, and it's only descriptive, when we see ourselves in it and we see the, the hardness of our own hearts, we, the, the troubles that, that, that trample us down, the trials, that, that all of a sudden we go, wait a second, and, and God's working in my heart, maybe I can work along with others in the hardness. Maybe I can help listen to them in the places that they've been trampled. And maybe I can, maybe I can hear why Satan so easily grabs the good news. Maybe as, as God's working to lift some of those boulders up, I can help lift some of those boulders up. Because right, the, the parable isn't the penultimate of every word of God. Because <laughs> we participate in God's work, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. Maybe we help carry some of those rocks out. We bear some of that load. Maybe in some of those places where the thorns are growing up, we can, we can be accountable with others and, and we can pray with others and we can walk with others. Because the reality is he wants to cultivate good soil in their hearts as much as he wants to cultivate it in ours. And he continues to be pouring out his seed, his kingdom, his word into our lives so that his life will bear fruit. Carry each other's burdens. That's what Christ did. That fulfills the law of God. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are extravagant. You're, you're scandalous as a sower. That while the world, sometimes we look at things as being wasteful if, if we're not being efficient. And, and God, we know that's true. We want to be good stewards. Lord, don't, don't allow that, that mindset and worldview when we read this, this parable and what you're saying here, though, to, to, to skew our judgment and our understanding. Help us today to see you as a sower who, who purposefully and with all the care in the world sows seed just abundantly in all places. Lord, I'm glad because I can't say I was good soil. I can't say, excuse me, I can't say I'm good soil today. There are moments and there are places where there is. But Lord, man, the troubles, the, the trials, the, the places we've been trampled, and, and those, those things are just a ground for Satan to want to come and steal, kill, destroy. Lord, thank you for, for not leaving us the way that you found us. Thank you for continuing to work in us, cultivating good ground so that your seed, your word, can take root in our lives. Lord, may our spirits be like that of the disciples that just keep coming back to you. Lord, tell us more. Like Mary who sat at your feet, Lord, that we would just sit at your feet in your presence. David who says, search my heart, know my anxious thoughts. Lord, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead us, God, in the way everlasting. And his people who know this truth, may we be people who participate in your groundbreaking work your life-cultivating work as we carry others' burdens just as you've carried ours. Thank you for the good news, for the gospel, for Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children said, amen. We're going to close our service with a, a song about that scandalous grace that Aaron was talking about. We invite you to stand. It's something we could never earn, something we could never deserve.
I'm glad from our perspective, God's love is reckless. It's extravagant and may seem wasteful. So I'm here today because of that. You're here today because of that. Not because it made sense to love us. Because it didn't. He just did. God does the impossible and continues to do the impossible out of love for us. I pray you know that. I pray that 
good news dwells in your hearts and saturates your soul. And I pray that flows through you to others. Go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, His smile upon you, and give you His peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Go in peace, and if you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we appreciate it.